Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point, featuring Kayla Mortolaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the Extra Point is good. Welcome in to Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, follow along with us online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. We have another game day for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Game number three coming to you from Chase Field this afternoon. 2.07 start on TBS as they're looking for a victory over the Philadelphia Phillies. We'll, of course, dive into that here momentarily. It's also a game day for game four in the ALCS. There's a Thursday night football contest. Will Trevor Lawrence play? Will he not? We'll dive into all of that here in today's Extra Point. But let's get things started here with the poll question. And we'll start with the KDOS1060.com poll question. Who wins game three of the NLCS at Chase Field? The Diamondbacks or the Phillies? And the D-backs lead the way here. 60% of the vote. Phillies trailing at 40%. The really interesting pitching matchup in this game. And to me, it's interesting because there's such a contrast in styles. Brandon Fott needs swing and miss and some strikeouts usually to be successful. Ranger Suarez is a ground ball specialist, and when he's on his game, which has been he's been on his game lately, it's a lot of ground balls. And I actually, uh, back in my Prescott days, uh, I had a, a guy that was a pitching coach at Prescott High School who uh, actually moved in with me for a little while, just kind of slept on my couch for a month or two till he had to find a new place to live. And, you know, I learned a lot from that guy, you know, just as far as, uh, you know, pitching and so forth. And, when I ever see, whenever I see this, is many years later. That was in the early '80s uh, when uh, that was going on in Prescott. But whenever I see a pitching matchup like this with just diverse pitching styles, uh, kind of wish that like to drag him in here and uh, you know actually watch this game with him tonight and let you know just pick his brain a little more. <laughs> Uh, well, we'll certainly dive into more about this here momentarily with the matchup and this game. Still plenty of time for you to cast your vote, though, KDOS1060.com, and we'll answer it around 1130 today. Tossing it on over to Twitter at KDOSAM1060, which is most likely the Pac-12 sends two teams to the college football playoff or zero teams, and 100% of the vote is on zero. I kind of modified this question a little bit. I've seen this, uh, you know, the how many teams of the Pac-12 get into the college football playoff, obviously, you know, based on the Washington victory last week over Oregon. And, you know, these teams all start playing each other now. For the mo- Not all of them. UCLA seems to have the easiest schedule remaining of the supposed contenders, even though I think after last week, I don't know how many people now consider UCLA, quote, a contender. Uh, but whatever. Uh, but, you know, there was a speculation a couple of weeks ago that they might get two teams in. And uh, so I kind of modified the question a little bit. And uh, a lot of talk, a lot of talk about the Pac-12 for really the whole season. Usually, yeah, we're sitting here in the you know, middle of October, roughly. And, uh, you know, the Pac-12 and college football playoff uh, have not been exactly synonymous. Not being not been mentioned in the discussion as far as uh, contending teams for the Pac-12 playoffs 
uh, at this time of the year. But now there's even talk that maybe they could get multiple teams in. So hence the question. And apparently it's not a good question because we had 100% of the vote. Well, at the moment. we'll we'll make it a good question with our brilliant answers around 1130. And we'll <laughs> also dive into uh, college football going through the AP top 25 a little bit later on in the show. If you'd like to chime in, you certainly can. We'll take your phone calls 1030 and 1115 today. The number 602-260-1060. Uh, that is the number to give us a ring. As I mentioned, game day for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Can they win game three this afternoon? You you touched on it. It's Brandon Fott going up against Ranger Suarez in the postseason. Uh, zero and zero, 3.86 ERA, six strikeouts for Fott. Ranger Suarez is one and oh, 1.04 ERA, six strikeouts for him. Fought. I think it's fair to say he's had an up and down year this year, including being up and down from the majors and AAA. He is coming off of a really strong start against the Dodgers in the NLDS, in which it was four and a third innings, 43 pitches of scoreless baseball. At one point this week, when Tori Lovello met the media, he was asked about Brandon Fought, and he said, I like so much about his last outing, commanding the baseball. He is a little bit like Merrill Kelly. He can work the baseball around the zone with different shapes, speeds, and spin rates. I feel like being able to do that against a very rugged Philly lineup where you can't be predictable in one spot with one pitch because they will hurt you. Yeah, I get that. Uh, and he, He's been a different pitcher since he came back. Was that the second time he got sent down to AAA? I think he got sent down twice, but whatever. Uh, he's been, you know, as far as the shapes and so, you know, just the pitch mix, etc. He's definitely been a big, uh, a different pitcher the last time we've seen him, which is now this particular, you know, time, what a month or so. Uh, so, you know, they, as opposed to the first part of the season when it, he was basically throwing fastballs and giving up a lot of home runs. Uh, he's still giving up some of those. So we'll see how it goes against the Phillies because they hit home runs. However. The Phillies, just one game over 500 on the road during the regular season. They did win uh, a game. You know, They only played a couple of games on the road in the postseason so far against Atlanta, and they did win one of those games. Uh, and they really should have won both of those games, quite frankly. So maybe it's just that the Phillies are playing better right now, home and away, as opposed to earlier in the season when they were you – know, they had a losing record at, you know, roughly in the middle of May – and then uh, really turned it on and obviously uh, ended up being 90 and 72 in the regular season. And when you have a losing record and then sometime in May ended up at 18 games over 500, you definitely turned it around. Absolutely. Uh, I, I think Brandon fought started the year in AAA. Then he came up and he was sent down uh, and then he returned yeah. after that. Uh, well, he definitely started in AAA because they just, you know, they didn't need him because they remember they had all those you know, kind of that wacky schedule with a whole bunch of games to start the season against the Dodgers and the Padres. And then they had like three or four off days in like two weeks. So <laughs> yes. they didn't they didn't they didn't need a fifth starter to really start the season very often. Uh, for the, the the Diamondbacks, the bats are going to need to come alive here. Within the first two games, they've had 62 at-bats against the Phillies, eight hits, one home run, three runs, and a 1-2-9 batting average. So that's certainly going yeah. to have to change uh, starting this one, afternoon. One, yeah, I'll add one more thing to that. They've had one walk in two games. Uh, they only, they've had 63 plate appearances. That's it. 
uh, and they've had no hits with runners in scoring position. And just to repeat from yesterday, uh, to me, what's more disturbing is they've only had four at-bats with runners in scoring position in two games. They've only had four hits in for each of the first two games. Obviously, a large chunk of that was against uh, you know, Wheeler and obviously Nola, uh, who each pitched six innings. But the Phillies' bullpen has been very good uh, for a few weeks, quite frankly. Uh, that, that was one of the reasons they started slowly, too, because their bullpen was kind of a mess. And once they sorted things out and guys became more effective – uh, that uh, had a lot to do with their turnaround of the season. Uh, Ranger Suarez, you touched on him a bit here. He kind of struggled to start the year in May, got stronger and stronger as the season has gone on. He was not asked to go too deep in the games that he did pitch against Atlanta, just three and two-thirds the first outing, five innings in the second outing, but he was incredibly effective in those games. And it was a big mystery to me, still is, and uh, you know, I, I would maybe think that uh, you know Rob Thompson and the Phillies organization, because that first game, they had decided before the game started that when Ozuna came around for the second time in the plate appearance, right-handed hitter against the left-handed guy, Suarez, that whenever Ozuna came up the second time in the round in the order, that they were going to take out Suarez no matter what. And he was cruising. Uh, and really you know, not dominant because he's just not a dominant power type of pitcher. But that was a weird pitching change, and then I think they kind of modified their approach, obviously. He went five innings the second time that he faced the Braves. Uh, for the Phillies, we know what they're capable of at the plate. We've seen it as well. The bats have stayed hot in two games. They have 64 at-bats, also keeping in mind that they haven't had to bat twice in the bottom of the ninth. 15 runs, 20 hits, six home runs, and it's a 313 batting average for the team. Yeah, and they're they're a team that has relied on the home run a lot, as opposed to you know, the Diamondbacks in their first two series. Yeah, they were home run uh, reliant, which is completely against what the Diamondbacks did for the majority of the regular season when there was more of a, you know, you know, a couple of hits in the inning or a stolen base or, you know, runners going from first to third or second to home. You know, the Phillies are much more of a station-to-station team unless it's Trey Turner on the bases, and he has not been thrown out once this season. Stealing bases, I believe he's 40 for 40 now if you count the playoffs. Uh, but you know, the Phillies are uh, home run reliant, or I don't, think, I don't think they're completely dependent on that. But uh, yeah, the large, a large majority of their runs compared to other teams have been scored with the you know, basically accumulated with the home run. Absolutely. Uh, so that contest gets underway this afternoon. It's a 2:07 start on TBS. Brandon fought Ranger Suarez, uh, the starting pitchers. Some news about the Diamondbacks, though. Uh, some Gold Glove finalists on this roster. Alec Thomas named a Gold Glove finalist at the center field position. Christian Walker named a Gold Glove finalist for first base. Uh, he won it last year. Gabriel Moreno named a Gold Glove finalist at catcher yeah i think they got this right uh, i saw some of the, i didn't look at the entire list of gold glove candidates or you know however they you know, I nominees i guess you. it is at this point well for every you know, I, I did see that the uh the toronto blue jays who i know had this wonderful metric ranking as defense and and so forth if you watch them play you don't think they're a good defensive team i mean i think defensive metrics are 
the most misleading metric in sports, quite frankly. Uh, and uh, I think if just based on the fact that the Blue Jays had seven guys that are finalists for the Gold Glove, you got to be kidding. Um, basically, if you, if you watch them play, I don't think you're real confident unless they hit the ball to Chapman at third base that a play is going to be made successfully. But they got nice metrics, which I have no idea how that happens. And their defense, not surprisingly, failed them a little bit in the postseason when they lost the first round of the uh, their series against the Twins. It's just an overrated stat. And I think if they have seven guys nominated, I wonder, you know, it used to be the coaches and the managers would vote for the gold gloves. I don't know if they do that. I don't know if that's now a media thing or whatever. But they, the people who vote, up, they vote for this, they can't possibly have watched these games. They, I think a lot of them just looked at the metrics and said, there's our guy. And uh, so, like I said, um, and, and Nolan Arenado is not a finalist. I mean, I'm sorry. that they, they, they get, Pretty much makes this whole thing a complete farce if he's not even a finalist. National League uh, first base finalists, uh, we mentioned there Christian Walker, also Carlos Santana and Freddie Freeman. Um, that, those all seem to be good. <laughs> I don't know about Carlos Santana. I don't think anybody looks at him as a great glove guy. Uh, second base for the National League, uh, Nico Horner with the Cubs, Hassa and Kim with the Padres, and Bryson Stott with the Phillies. You were actually talking about Stott the other day. I think he's actually the best shortstop on the Phillies, but they're paying you know, Turner a billion dollars, and so he's playing shortstop. And he hasn't played a very good shortstop in the postseason. He's had several years, four of them, I believe, officially couple other plays that could have been charged as errors that were that ruled as hits. Uh, so that's maybe something to pay attention to today uh, because he's not used to playing on this infield surface, not saying that the infield surface is diff- you know, bad here or anything in, in, at Chase Field, but it's something that he's much more used to playing at home. And the majority of their games have been at home, and he hasn't been particularly – in the other games were in Atlanta uh, before today – and so he's familiar with playing in Atlanta from his days with uh, Washington and and obviously uh, uh, the uh, and needless to say the, the Phillies. Uh, so you know the fact that he's had this much of uh, this much of a uh, I think a difficult time fielding routine ground balls. Uh, maybe that's something we'll pay attention to today. Yeah, so I don't think that this was also meant with any, uh, you know, malice or saying that it was bad or anything like that. I just remember on the broadcast uh, discussing the Diamondbacks playing surface when they were playing the Dodgers, that they were just talking about how it's a it's a very speedy outfield. Yeah, I think it's a speedy infield, too. I mean, they've, they've changed things over the years. Uh, you know, I remember 15 years ago or so, you would actually, if you went to the game, uh, you just were kind of shocked how many, like, you know, they weren't like patches of dirt in the outfield, but you just kind of, uh, you know, they had problems with uh, the roof, trying to figure out, well, how do we, when do we open the roof and how do we manicure the infield and the outfield, etc. Uh, it was not the best looking baseball field I had ever seen. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Uh, and NL third base gold glove finalist K. Brian Hayes with the Pirates, Ryan McManahan out uh, of the Rockies, and Austin Riley with the Braves. Those guys aren't bad, but I mean, I'm sorry. Uh, Arenado, you know, he, he hasn't slipped that much. I mean, he's not what he was three or four years ago, but who is? Uh, but he's literally the best fielding third baseman I have ever seen in my life, ever. And I'm old.
that's some high praise right there. Uh, National League shortstop Francisco Lindor, Dansby Swanson, and Ezekiel Tovar. I'm surprised Tovar is in here. Uh, I'm not saying he's okay. He was a rookie. And uh, the fact that he plays in Colorado, uh, he must have a good metric ranking, and I'm guessing that's why he's in that list. National League left field. Swanson Swanson was on there, right? I'm sorry. Yes, he was. I missed the first part. Okay, because he's the best. National League left field, Ian Happ, uh, David Peralta, and Eddie Rosario. David Peralta. I'm just mystified by this all the time. He won a gold glove when he was here. He wasn't getting more than above average when he was here uh, defensively. And uh, here he is again. I'm just, I just don't understand it. Maybe he's got uh, friends on the voting committee or something. I have no idea how he's on that list. That's the biggest joke. That's the biggest joke of all this to me so far. National League center fielder uh, Brenton Doyle, Michael Harris the second, and Alec Thomas there with the Diamondbacks. What's with all these Rockies on this thing? Okay, I'm a little I mean, ba- bad. baffled by that myself. I mean, McMahon's really good. The yeah, Tovar is a rookie. Uh, you know, you know, the, the, what's the dude's name? Doyle. He's a rookie, so I don't have an explanation for this national league right field mookie betts uh fernando tatis jr and lane thomas yeah i'm okay with that i mean tatis i think really you know i'm not exactly the biggest tatis fan uh for a variety of reasons on and off the field but he's done a he's a really good outfielder i didn't think he was a very good shortstop uh i think that uh yeah he was miscast as a shortstop there and they kept him there too long, and uh, yeah, if I were a pitcher for the uh, Padres, I remember saying a few times back when he was a shortstop that I would prefer that somebody else be my shortstop. <laughs> but he's done a really, really good job as a right fielder for pretty much you know, you, you know, not too you know, calendar years because remember he was suspended for last year, but he played a little bit there at the end of the 2021 season, and he's been definitely good this year and. Uh, Maybe tries to show off that arm a little too much, but I think a lot of outfielders, especially right fielders, who are known for throwing arms usually, uh, that's a kind of a frequent occurrence. Uh, National League catcher Patrick Bailey, Gabriel Moreno, and JT Riomuto. Yeah, I can buy that. You know, Bailey, uh, another rookie. A lot of rookies in this list. Um, you know, he With the Giants, he did a tremendous job. I think he got, uh, like, not surprising. A lot of catchers wear down during the season for obvious reasons. Uh, and I thought that he certainly wore down offensively. You could see that the most. And uh, I watched quite a few Giants games late in the season uh, because they were you know, in contention until, say, like middle of September there. And uh, he seemed to be worn down defensively also. He was used a lot. Uh, and that's a really difficult pitching staff to catch. Uh, especially for you know, for a veteran, it's hard for for the guy for a guy to catch, let alone a rookie. So I think all that probably mentally and physically, I'm sure he was very happy when the season ended. Uh, you know, seeing the names Moreno and Rio Muto who are uh, facing against each other here in the NLCS, it, it makes me ask the question here: How important and pivotal is it to a, a success having an All Star, a stud back there catching? catching for a team to to have a, a good run in the playoffs it helps certainly um yeah I was, i'm not really sure how to explain that i don't think there's like a, a barometer i don't think there's like a chart of if you have a really good defensive catcher you win more games jorge Posada 
uh, was not the greatest defensive catcher back in his days with the Yankees, and they won like 100 championships in a row. So I'm not exactly sure. Uh, you know, I don't think there's a – like I said, I've never heard of the direct correlation. If you have a good defensive catcher, you're automatically going to win games in the postseason. And finally, National League pitcher there, Jesus Lazardo, uh, Taiwan Walker, and Zach Wheeler, both pitchers for the Phillies. Yeah, I think you're just kind of – unless you have, like, you know, Zach Gallon or something back in the day uh, here, uh, you know, pick, picking the gold glove pit. Max Fried's not on that list? I would think he's the first guy I think of as far as defensive Patrick. Maybe he didn't play enough games because uh, he was on the injured list a couple of times. But uh, I think it's difficult to you know, really assess defensive skills for pitchers uh, for a variety of reasons unless he just stands out and Freed is usually the guy that immediately comes to mind the last two or three years for me as far as defensive uh, fielding pitchers. We'll continue some Major League Baseball talk on the other side of the break. ALCS action continued last night. The Astros get the victory over the Rangers. We'll dissect that contest, what we saw from Max Scherzer on the hill. And game number four continues tonight as well from Arlington. So we'll discuss some Major League Baseball ALCS on the other side of the break. It is the extra point right here on KDOS AM 1060 online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app. Powered by Superbook Sports. Every Monday night, check out Ray Adams as he hosts the Monday Night Golf and Lifestyle Show from 6 to 7 p.m. here on KDUS AM 1060. AM 1060. It is the Extra Point. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today as we typically do. Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. Major League Baseball playoffs are underway. The ALCS continued last night. It was an Astros 8-5 victory over the Rangers, and Max Scherzer made his return for the Rangers. Uh, it was a clean first inning for Max. And then the Astros got to him in the second. In all, it was four innings pitched, five hits, five runs, one walk, four strikeouts, one home run on 63 pitches. All in all, what did you see from Max Scherzer last night? Well, the wild pitch really hurt them a lot uh, in the uh, you know the Mald before the Maldonado two-run single, which really hurt them. And you know, Maldonado is not out there for his bat, even though. He has actually had some clutch hits in the postseason the last couple of years. He's just a tremendous defensive catcher. It hits ninth usually for them, always hits ninth for them. Uh, but uh, the wild pitch uh, scored the first run, and then you know, subsequent to that, uh, the two-run single drove in two more. I don't think he was bad. I think he obviously had some location issues, but I think that's not unexpected for somebody that hadn't pitched for more than a month. So, all in all, would you – I mean, in retrospect, right, because of the situation – like, the loss, does that change anything? Bruce Bochy says after the game, you know, he's he's part of our team. We don't regret the decision to run him out there. Would you have maybe uh, not started him in game three? Would you maybe have used him in a, a, a relief-type situation? Or would you have said, yep, you're our game three starter? I don't think you can bring him out of the bullpen right off the bat. I mean, he's not used to coming out of the bullpen, and I'm guessing because uh, he hadn't pitched for you know more than a month, 
He needs bullpen time and uh, a plan and a program to get started in the game. Uh, so and he's not a younger guy. Uh, would have, I, you know, as I've gotten older over the years, it takes me a little while to get going sometimes. Uh, so uh, I'm guessing all that played a factor. The thing that's interesting here is if there's a game seven, he would be on schedule to start game seven. Meanwhile, Christian Javier, he was cruising for the Astros until the fifth, and it ended up being five and two-thirds for him. Three hits, two runs, one walk, three strikeouts, one home run on 85 pitches. The bullpen for the Astros gave up some runs in the seventh and the eighth, but Ryan Presley on to pick up his third save of the postseason. I think he was even cruising in the sixth. I mean, he gave up a hit and then a home run. That's all he gave up for the most part. Uh, He was really good. I was kind of counting on him, and – this game actually went as I kind of thought it might go. Uh, so the Astros win, and they continue to dominate on the road. Uh, they've been unbelievable also in this ballpark this year. Uh, in addition to just their general road success against everybody, they've been uh, you know, unbelievable in, uh, in Arlington. And they had that one series where they scored like 30-some runs in like four games uh, in September. Uh, they've now won 17 of the last 20 road games. If you go back to the regular season, that includes both of their wins in the ALDS against uh, the uh, against the Twins, and then they win this game here. And uh, you know, here we go. Here's the Globe Park numbers. Uh, that was only a three-game series that they scored all those runs. Uh, they have in the in their you know, from uh, I got to double check the the dates here. Sorry, um, they actually. Uh, have homered 16 times and outscored Texas 39 to 10 in the last four games that they've played in this ballpark in Arlington. Wow. The series continues tonight. Game four from Arlington. Jose Urquidy uh, for the Astros. He's 1-0, 3.18 ERA, six strikeouts in the postseason. Andrew Heaney, 0-0, 2.45 ERA, one strikeout. Well, you got Heaney's going to be an opener type of guy, but he has a history of a starting pitcher. So if it goes well, I don't think he's going to be a you know one inning and dash guy. As you know, sometimes they you know, I think the opener back in the Tampa days when they kind of invented this opener thing uh, because they basically they didn't really want to do that in Tampa, but they ran out of starting pitchers uh, three or four years ago, and they had no choice. And that just kind of became an in vogue thing. If you don't really have a starting pitcher, let's go with an opener. Uh, that's where all that started, to my recollection. But Heaney does have a history as a starting pitcher. So if it goes well for him, uh, I'm not sure what his length is for now as far as pitch count and so forth. But he has a, you know, he's just not a reliever who's going to pitch an inning and then get the heck out of there. They're not going to. I'm sure the plan is not to have like nine relief, nine pitchers for a nine inning game. Uh, so we'll see if, if, if things go well for Bochi and uh, Texas, he's going to get a shot. As far as Urquidy goes, he was excellent in the start that he made against the Twins. Uh, I think he's kind of a guy that, <clears throat> excuse me, that. Um, whoa. Okay, let's try that again. Uh, he's a guy that. Uh, you have a pretty good idea what you're going to get out of him uh, really early in the game, and I would certainly think still down 2-1 to one in the series that if Rokiti gets off to a, a slow start, it's going to be a quick hook. Uh, I was listening, obviously, to the game last night, and John Smoltz was talking about the, the, the pitchers and for the Rangers, and, you know, at some point he, he says here that 
in order for the Rangers to win a game, you have to get a quality start, a good start from somebody not named Jordan Montgomery, not named Nathan Ovaldi. So it led me to wonder, you know, what do you think about these pitching staffs uh, top to bottom, starting pitching, relief pitching, closing, and who would you give the edge to? Well, clearly the bullpen goes to the Astros. That's not even a uh, – certainly the uh, the Rangers have had a nice run here in the postseason, and their bullpen has been better. But their their bullpen has been a mess, uh, you know, really the entire season. Yeah, you know, they've moved guys in and out. They traded for Chapman. He's been good. He's been not good. Uh, he has some problems against the Astros in his history. Uh, so that's a big question for them. Uh, you know, it's uh, you know pretty amazing. Uh, you know, some of the they've had some guys that haven't been particularly good either this year or in their careers, quite frankly, that have been getting guys out in the postseason. So there's that. The Astros, you know, kind of have uh, you know Presley is one of the most successful closers I would imagine in postseason history. Quite frankly, if you go by the numbers, uh, he's been you know very very uh, pivotal. Uh, either pitching the eighth inning a couple of three, four years ago or now the ninth inning since he's the closer during this Astros uh, postseason run that they've had on a regular basis. Uh, you know, Abreu, it's been, I believe, 30-some. It's at least 30 appearances now going back to the regular season. 30 consecutive appearances where he has not allowed a run, uh, not even one. Uh, so that's uh, you know, certainly he's usually the eighth inning guy at this point. As far as the starting pitchers go, I don't think it's much different as far as what you said about Texas, as far as Houston, because Framber Valdez is far from a certain thing, even though he's always slotted in to be the number two starter. He has not performed as their number two starter at this point. Obviously, Javier has been much better here lately, and I actually make a case that Javier has been better for a few weeks now. Yeah, I was watching Javier pitch last night, and I thought to myself, you know, why is he not game two? Does he have some sort of, uh, you know, he doesn't pitch well at home or something? I mean, because obviously we know about the Astros home versus road, but I'm like, this guy just has incredible command right now and is, is cruising. Well, their home versus road has really had nothing to do with their pitching staff. That's all been offense. Um yeah, they're just a, an incredible offensive, uh, incredibly bad offensively at home, uh, and uh, their numbers on the road are just unbelievably good. And uh, that their whole home and road split thing, I don't think there's really much of a difference at all with their pitching staff. It's all offensively. So for the ALCS with the Rangers now leading the series two to one, that gets underway 5.03 p.m. on FS1. And once again, the Diamondbacks get the NLCS started up at 2.07 p.m. on TBS as the Phillies lead that series 2-0. York Turn, if you'd like to join the program, 602-260-1060 is the number, 602-260-1060. If you'd like to chime in about the Diamondbacks, if you have some comments about Major League Baseball playoffs or the NFL, there is a Thursday night contest today. College football will get to it all. Frank Schwab of Yahoo Sports' power rankings will dive into that on the other side of the break as well. 602-260-1060 if you'd like to join the program. It is the Extra Point here on KD. US AM 1060. HD Radio is here for KDUS AM 1060. 
Check out your favorite shows and games on 100.7 KSLX HD2. Welcome back to Extra Point here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, follow along with us online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Bob Camp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today. As promised, it's phone call time, 602-260-1060. If you'd like to chime in, let's pop on out to the KDOS hotline. We have Morty on the line. Morty, what's on your mind today? Well, guys, I haven't had a chance to research Bob's comment about the Phillies' road record during the playoffs, but they haven't played all that many road games, I don't think. I mean, the first series, they won three at home. Um, right. They did okay down in Atlanta. So I Correct. Just, uh, I don't know what the numbers are, but I, I think uh, I, I think that's not well, totally correct right now. But you're right, Thor. Well, yeah, their number their numbers of the regular season. They were one game above 500. They scored right. like a run and a half. They scored like a run and a half less per game on the road. And that's a lot. That's but, a big number. It, it is. It is. And um, but I think they're hitting better in the last couple months than they. No, I agree. They, I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna sweep the series. So I'm not arguing with you. I think they're gonna win today and tomorrow, and it's gonna be over. Well, all I can say is uh, I, I was out of the country till Monday night, Tuesday morning, and uh, was only just keeping up vicariously. But um, um, last year I told you I like this team chemistry. And um, I think it's only gotten better. No, I don't disagree with that. I think they're better this year than they were last year. I mean, their bullpen, I think, is even more reliant than it was a year ago. Uh, Suarez, who I don't remember exactly how he did in the in the postseason last year, but I think he's certainly better right now, most likely, than he was then. So that's three starters right there. And uh, that's enough. And if you have three good starters, obviously if you have two stud starters, that's a good start. But if you have a third guy, uh, that's going to most likely carry you through the entire playoffs. Uh, I agree. Uh, I'm excited to sit down and watch it tonight or this afternoon. I mean, and um, you're, not, you're, not gonna, you're not going to be you're not going to be there. No, we got, we got back. Really, like mid, early morning Tuesday morning in the town, and I'm still yeah. fighting, getting okay. stuff done, and getting my body where it needs to be. Okay. Well, Kayla told me the tickets are like 15 bucks because the Diamondbacks fans have basically abandoned ship after they lost. They gave up 10 runs on uh, Tuesday night. Well, I know there's a couple plane loads of Philly fans coming out. I'll doubt that. So we'll see. But anyway, just wanted to pipe in a little bit thanks morty for the call you're welcome guys take care all right 602-260-1060 is the number if you'd like to chime in uh we'll put a pin in some major league baseball conversation here pick it up in our number two uh getting into some nfl action here frank schwab friend of the program yahoo sports power rankings I uh, wanted to start here at number 10 with him, and it's one of the teams that we're going to actually see tonight. Uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars come in at number 10 for
for him. Uh, you know, what do we now make of this defense for the Jacksonville Jaguars, especially the run defense? Statistically, they are holding teams, uh, you know, to about 80 yards per game on the ground. Uh, and then Trevor Lawrence's injury is now something to monitor. Last I saw, uh, Doug Peterson believes that he is supposed to start tonight. He will test it out pregame. And if there is any setback, then obviously it would be uh, C.J. Beathard. But all expectations are for him to be a go tonight. Yeah, we talked about that. Uh, we previewed this game with uh, you know, Mark Long from uh, you know, the Associated Press in Jacksonville in that first game. He anticipates that Lawrence will play tonight. However, he's got this huge brace on his leg. Uh, and he, uh, Mark mentioned to us that he had, uh, as you would expect, uh, he's not used to that. And that was uh, kind of bothersome to him in practice on uh, Tuesday. He did practice some on Tuesday. Yeah. And, yeah, I'm not sure how much they actually practice on Tuesday. It's really different from team to team who have the quick comeback after a Sunday night game and then play on Sunday, excuse me, Sunday game and play on Thursday night. So I'm not exactly sure what the uh, how much they actually practice on a Tuesday, but it was on the field at least. They did something out there uh, on Tuesday, so we'll see what happens tonight. So there's that. I don't think that we're going to see a whole lot of Trevor Lawrence rollouts. And he does a lot of that. I mean, a lot of their offense is him leaving the pocket or you know, getting out of the pocket, not, to, not necessarily to run, uh, but to throw. And I can't imagine there's going to be a whole lot of that. This is maybe not the best defense to be going against as far as that goes if you have an immobile quarterback uh, because the Saints have a very good defense with the exception of one quarter of one game for the most part this season. I'm still not sure what happened in that Packers game. Don't remind (laughs) me. (laughs) Shutting them out for like three quarters. They gave up like 18 points in the fourth quarter and lost that game. Uh, The defense just, you know, they were dominating and then they just gave up play after play after play. Uh, in the uh, deciding uh, you know, quarter there. But, uh, you know, Cam Jordan is obviously a local Valley product, and that they've got some other dudes, too, in that front seven that are really good. And their secondary is one of the best in the league, and now they're off suspension in some cases and seemingly healthy. Uh, so we, uh, we should get the best out of the Saints tonight. I'm not sure we know how good the Saints are. David, uh, excuse me, Derek Carr, um, David Carr was his brother. He wasn't that good either. Uh, Derek Carter, uh, Derek Carr, excuse me, has been, I think, really disappointing. Um, you know, he, I know he had the shoulder injury, but he wasn't great before that. He hasn't been great since then. He's got two tremendous receivers. Uh, Campbell, the best uh, defensive back, the corner for the uh, Jags, is not playing tonight, and uh, I think there's a pretty dra- big drop off at that position. I'm not going to run out and bet on this because I've already lost the money this year on the Saints, and I'm going to lose more because I have them to win the division. And I don't think that's going to happen now, even though they, maybe that division they could still win it. Uh, but uh, but I think that the Saints win tonight. And this game basically was a pick, and then for whatever reason, uh, in the 9 o'clock hour today in uh, some of the high-profile betting shops in Las Vegas with high handles, like Circa and the Westgate, this game went to two last I looked. Uh, yeah, and well, what's interesting, actually, this morning it was uh, on FanDuel at two, and now it's one and a half. So it's kind of dancing around all this morning here. Uh, the over-under now sitting at 40 and a half as well. Uh, 
I promised uh, some more phone call time, 602-260-1060. We have Bill in surprise. Quickly, Bill, what's on your mind today? I happen to agree with Bob. I, uh, I think it's over for the Diamondbacks. They look lifeless. I mean, they just didn't do anything to, you know, try to change what Philly was doing. Uh, they look well, like they, they, remind, you, they uh, remind me of the Twins of the 90s when they, they would win the division and they'd play the Yankees and they'd be gone in the first round. Well, that was the Twins until this year. <laughs> so, um, uh, yeah, I, I if, let's just say this does not go well for the Diamondbacks in this series. I think we would reflect back on the year, and uh, they got up through. They were really good before the All Star break. They were pretty mediocre after the All Star break. They had two tremendous series to begin the postseason. And yeah. they likely have run into a team that might be the best team in baseball right now, and they just haven't had much of a chance so far. I think it will be an exciting World Series between the Phillies and Houston. That's just that's what I'm hoping for right now. I think it'd I mean, be okay I, no matter who's coming. I don't think it come, no matters who comes out of the American League. I mean, if Texas beats Houston, then they've yep. accomplished something. And if it's Houston again, that'll be uh, – we have to listen to you – know, the one thing that'll probably irritate me a little bit is we got to listen to all the hype about, oh, it's a rematch from last year. Can they get yeah, revenge and all that crap? Yeah, yeah, revenge, in yeah. Baseball, revenge in baseball is the biggest nonsensical story yeah, that there could bad. possibly be. Yeah, yeah I, agree. I agree. I'm hoping for the best with the Diamondbacks. I'd like to see them win, and maybe that will put some life back in them. But I, I just picked it up against it. I don't, I don't see it right now. Okay. All right, buddy. Perfect. Thank you, Bill. 602-260-1060 is the number. We'll have some more phone call time around 1115. We'll get back into some NFL discussion on the other side of the break as we wrap up hour number one here on KDOS AM 1060, online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. It is Thursday. It is October 19th. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you wrapping up hour number one next. social information about KDUS AM 1060, try KDUS1060.com at KDUS AM 1060 on Twitter and Facebook.com slash KDUS AM 1060. Wrapping up hour number one of Extra Point here on KDUS AM 1060. Love it when we have some phone calls, but that means we're not going to be able to get through all 10 of Frank Schwab's uh, power rankings here. So I'm skipping ahead to number five on the list to discuss the Buffalo Bills. Uh, you know, for me, I'm, I'm wondering what happened there on Sunday night against the Giants. A couple of different things. You know, one, uh, you didn't make uh, Tyrod Taylor all that uncomfortable. You got three sacks, but in terms of uh, an offensive line that was playing just in Pugh, whose introduction was just off the couch. He was also playing left tackle, which is not his normal position. I would have thought that the, the Buffalo Bills would have been able to put a little bit more pressure, which then also kind of makes me wonder, is this maybe a Daniel Jones problem? But regardless here, wondering uh, about the Buffalo Bills and uh, just kind of their sluggish offense as well. I don't think last week had anything to do with Daniel Jones or the Giants, quite frankly. I think they just, uh, they're playing the Giants. They're going to kick the Giants' ass. And plus, they just got back home from London. 
Uh, number four on the list is the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, they had 22 runs versus 45 throws in that game against the Jets defense, which is a Jets defense that is good against the pass, really good against the pass, and tends to give up some runs on the ground or give up some yards on the ground. So curious why there wasn't a little bit more balance in all of that. Uh, but... You know, I'm just kind of wondering here about Philadelphia's offense. You you see them go out and get Julio Jones this week. Quez Watkins is now on IR. Uh, but I think it all kind of stems from play calling. And Devontae Smith did not practice yesterday. Didn't, uh, this is I think that's the reason when I got Julio uh, earlier this week. Uh, I also I mentioned, uh, you know, just to kind of piggyback off you earlier in the week, I talked about the – I didn't understand why they didn't run the ball more against the Jets, so that's a big mystery to me. Um, also, Lane Johnson getting hurt. Maybe that had something to do with it, but uh, they're uh, unfortunately an injury mess right now. So hopefully they can get some of these guys back. Jalen Carter and Darius Slay, who did not play in that game against the Jets, at least practiced on a limited basis yesterday. That they did. Uh, number three on this list is the Kansas City Chiefs. Well, they need some offensive playmakers that are not named Travis Kelsey. They made a trade for McCole Hardman to come back. Yeah, that's great. Uh, hopefully that works out because in my really suddenly desperate wide receiver fantasy team, of which we have seven wide receivers on rosters, I picked up uh, Hardman as soon as he got traded yesterday, and I'm just looking for anything at this point. So... I think the Chiefs might be too because their wide receiver production has been dismal. I think a lot of it has to do with their offensive line, though, which has not pass protected nearly as well as it did a year ago with the same guys, basically. Not the right, the tackles are different. But even those three interior guys who are studs, they've not been nearly as good this year. We'll save number two and one for our number two. We'll also get into the Arizona Cardinals. Head coach Jonathan Gannon had some comments with Kyler Murray's 21-day window being opened up. We'll get into all of that next here in the Extra Point.